Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Acts, chapter number 6. The book of Acts, chapter number 6. We're going to begin this morning by reading the first seven verses. The book of Acts, chapter number 6, begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying... There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And we're not repeating that verse whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Father, we just pray again today that you will add your anointing uh, to the message and to the messenger, Lord, today. Father, I pray that you'll give us ears upon our heart today to receive uh, the word of the Lord this morning. Father, help us today, Lord, not just be hearers of your word, but may we be doers of your word as well. All for the glory of God we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, if you are new to the Grace Place, we are currently in a series of sermons that I'm calling Take Action. What we are doing, we are walking through the book of Acts, which is an action-packed book. Now, although this is a series, yet each and every sermon could be a standalone sermon as well. I've developed it this way so that whether you hear all of the sermons or you just hear one or two or a few, uh, each sermon will be a standalone sermon. A sermon all by, by itself. Well, today we are in chapter number 6, and, and in the first seven verses of chapter 6, there are, there are four things that stand out to me. There are four things that I see in these verses, and, and I want to shine a spotlight on these four things and talk about these four things this morning. Well, the first thing that I, that I see in, in this uh, uh, passage today is I see the problem. The problem. Now, after the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost, after a period of time, they began to develop some structure for the church. Uh, Programs began to be introduced to the church. Uh, The care ministry was introduced to the early church. Uh, A helps type of ministry developed where the apostles started to care for 
not just the spiritual side, but also the physical needs of the church members. A feeding program was established, and, and, that, and that was great, and, uh, but, but the church was growing so rapidly that the apostles couldn't keep up with the demands that were placed upon them, and so the church members began to grumble. Of course, none of our church members ever grumble. Never. We're talking about the problem right now. And the problem came about because of two things. Number one, unmet needs. While some of the needy saints in the church had their needs met, other people's needs were going unmet. See, see, there were just too many needs and too few workers. Kind of sounds like the church of 2016. Here's what we need to understand this morning. The church is made up of people. Pastor Sean already said that. This building is not the church. Look around you this morning and the people that are sitting on these chairs... They are the church. You are the church. We are the church. The church is made up of people. But not only is the church made up of people, but, but, but it's made up of needy people. It's made up of imperfect people. It's, it's made up of flawed people. It's made, a, made up of hurting people. Oh, I, I know that, that we all clean up pretty good. I, I know that we all know how to put on our happy face. Well, a few of you need to work on yours a little bit. (laughs) The problem in the early church in the book of Acts was twofold. First of all, unmet needs. And unmet needs led to unhappy saints. And so grumbling started to take place in the church. And and people started making accusations of of prejudice that some were receiving preferential treatment over others. Ever heard that? Their church, or this church that was growing so quickly and so rapidly, this this new church, this church that that had incredible and miraculous things happening in, in it, but the Bible says that a fuss broke out. Even though miracles are happening, even though people are getting saved, even though lives are being touched and changed and ministered to, the Bible says that that a fuss broke out over, of all things, food. Food. Not false doctrine. Not immorality in the pulpit. Not anything of a significance, something as trivial as food. You know, most churches today that split, or most churches today that that have internal uh, dissension, the cause is seldom, it's seldom doctrinal issues, it's seldom some significant issue, but, but no, no, it's usually something trivial like style. Or personal preference. Or a power struggle evolves. 
Our world is on its way to hell, and the church is fussing over silly and insignificant issues. And the devil laughs. First thing that I see in our scripture for today is the problem. The second thing that I see is I see the priority. And we find the priority in verse number two. Let's reread that. It says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. See, see, the apostles were so busy with trying to meet the physical needs of the church members, they didn't have time to do what they were actually called to do, and that was to minister to the spiritual needs of the church members. And because of this, the apostles wisely recognized the fact that they needed to prioritize. They needed to begin working smarter, not harder. See, see, they quickly realized that they could not perform all of the duties of the church. They could only do the things of highest priority. It wasn't that they didn't think that this was a good cause. It wasn't that they didn't think this should be done. But they just recognized that they couldn't do it. And they were spending all of their time with the physical needs of the church that they had little time, if any time, to minister to the real needs of the church. And that is the spiritual need of the individuals in the church. And so quickly the apostles recognized that they needed help. If all of the needs of the church were going to be met, they were in need of some help. And because of this, deacons were appointed to help the pastor by doing the physical side of the church, which would take that burden off of the shoulders of the pastor so that he could give all of his time uh, to the spiritual side of the church. The deacons could feed the members' stomachs, and the pastor could feed their souls. There's two things I want to talk about this morning about the priority. First thing I want to talk about is the pastor must understand his role. The pastor must understand his role. Maybe a better way of putting it is the, the church people needs to understand the pastor's role. Because most church people do not understand the pastor's role. They have misconceptions. They have wrong thoughts. They have unbiblical expectations that they place. I'm just talking about myself. I, I, let, me, let me just tell you that I'm not complaining this morning. I'm not whining. Let me tell you something. Things are good. They're awesome. They're incredible. I've, I've never been happier, never been more fulfilled, never had a greater staff, never had a greater group of, of deacons. Man, everything's good. I'm not trying to fix anything or whine about anything this morning. I'm just going to teach you. I mean, we're in Acts chapter 6. That's where we're at. Please understand that. But the pastor must understand his role. The church must understand the role, the true biblical role of the pastor. Now, first of all, the Bible calls the pastor the overseer. Say overseer. Notice the Bible doesn't say he's the underseer. Duh, he's the overseer, okay? And so as the overseer, the lead pastor is ultimately responsible for the church that God has assigned him to. Who other said the buck stops here? Let me tell you, that buck's not always fun and games. I'll just tell you. But it does. The buck stops here. Stops with the overseer. 
Now understand that he's not better than everybody else in the church and he definitely should not act like he's any better than anybody else in the church. But the truth of the matter is he holds the highest office in the church and because of this he has the greatest responsibility of anyone in the church and because of this he will be held to a higher standard than everybody else in the church. See, there's nobody in the church that carries the church in his heart 24-7 besides the lead pastor. Nobody, not even staff members. When my son went from a staff member to lead pastor, two weeks later he called me and he said, Dad, why didn't you tell me? I said, why didn't I tell you what, son? He said, why didn't you tell me? I said, tell you what? He said, Dad, why didn't you tell me about the pressure? He said, Dad, I feel like somebody just taking a load of bricks and putting them right between my shoulder blades. I'd been carrying the load for 30-something years at the time. I, you know, I didn't, you just learn to live with it. Sometimes there's a knot in the right side of my shoulder so tight, I go to Dr. Manley. He takes a, he takes a sledgehammer and knocks it out of there. He said, Dad, I didn't know. He said, Dad. He said, I, I owe you an apology. Dad, I'm sorry. I said, Chad, what are you talking about? He said, Dad, I wasn't a very good staff member. Dad, I'd come to your, your, your office and I'd whine and I'd gripe and I'd ask questions. And I'd say, why don't you deal with this? Dad, I didn't know. I didn't understand. Son, it's okay. All right, man. You... You know, when I hired my son as a youth pastor, he was 19 years old. Man, you did great, man. You, you, took a, you took our youth group from 15 to 130. Man, you did great. You were a great worship leader, man. I don't have any, I don't have any complaints. You need to understand. Sometimes we just don't, we don't understand. Uh, he's not any better than anybody else. It shouldn't act like any, but he, he holds the highest office in the church. And because of this, he has the greatest responsibility. And because of that, he's going to be held to a higher standard than everybody else in the church. And also, he will also have the greatest influence. He must, he must set the vision for the house. He must be able to hear from God as to what God wants specifically for that particular church. He must be able to say to his people, this is the way, walk in it. Let me read a couple of scriptures that helps us better understand the role of the pastor. We find it in verse 4 of Acts Six. It says, but we, the apostles, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. How many of you know that you can't pour out of an empty cup? It's impossible to pour out of an empty cup. And if the pastor spends all week running here and running there and doing this and doing that and doing something else and meeting all of the physical needs of his church, let me ask you this, when will he prepare himself to pour the word into the people on Sunday? Because you cannot pour out of an empty cup. So so the pastor's role is not to meet all the physical demands of his congregation. His job is to study the word. His job is to pray. His job is to fill his cup so full during the week that he is able to pour out of the contents of that cup on his people on Sunday morning. 
Let me give you another scripture that gives us a little insight on the role of the pastor. We find that in the book of Ephesians, book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It says, for he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What did he give them for? He says in verse 12, he gave them for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Paul says here that the pastor is one of God's gifts to the church. Surprise! Here's your gift. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? But that's what the Bible says, that, that, that the five-fold ministry, which includes the pastor, the pastor is God's gift to his church. But Paul also tells us what God's purpose for this gift is. Verse number 12, for the equipping of the saints. The equipping of who? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the what of the ministry? For the work of the ministry. So according to Paul, the pastor's job is not to do the work of the ministry, but the pastor's job is to train the people of the church to do the work. We're still talking about the priority right now. See, we need to understand that the pastor must understand his role. And he is the CEO. He is the leader. He is the visionary. He is the spokesperson for God. He is the equipper. He is the motivator. And he says to his people, he says, you follow me as I follow Christ. The pastor must understand his role. But not only must the pastor understand his role, the people must understand their role. See, just as there's a role that the pastor must play, there is also a role that the people must play. I didn't make up the rules. I didn't set this in order. This is the word of the Lord. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that help us understand a little bit about the role of the people in the church. Now, deacons especially, but it also applies to all church members. Let's read verse 2 and 3 again of Acts 6. says, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice, notice this phrase in verse number three, whom we may appoint over this business. Say this business. Notice it didn't say over all business. It said this business. See, the biggest problem in the mainline church today is the people don't understand their role and they don't understand what their business is. I already told you, I'm not trying to fix anything. I don't have any problem. We have correct structure here. Things are going great here, all right? I'm just telling you, but you need to know what the Word of God says. And the biggest problem in the church is, is that people are getting in each other's business. They don't know what their business is. They don't understand that the pastor has a business and the church people have a business. They're not the same. Man, this is good. This business, what business was he talking about? The business of providing for the physical needs of the church members. Notice the apostles didn't say these people are to get into our business. (laughs) 
tonight. You guys are tough. Now, hear me this morning. I, I hate that I have to clarify, but the last time I preached on this, somebody got offended. How in the world can you get offended by the way I'm going to present this? So listen to everything. I'll try and clarify every little thing that I say. But listen, no one is any better than anyone else in the church. The pastor is no better than the people. The pastor has feet of clay just like everybody else. Listen, I have more than my share of flaws, more than my share of of faults, and usually there's somebody around to remind me about what they are. Priority has nothing to do with importance. I'm not saying the pastor's more important than the deacon or the pastor's more important than the church people. We're not talking about importance. We're talking about our business. We're talking about our position. We're talking about our particular assignment. Priority has nothing to do with importance but everything to do with the roles we fill. And so I want to publicly say that I love deacons. I love deacons. Some of my best friends in the entire world are deacons and former deacons. I still have relationships with deacons of churches three back. 30 years ago. I love deacons. Always have loved deacons. Some of my best friends are deacons and former deacons. I can honestly say I have never had a bad deacon. Forty plus years of full-time ministry, and I've never had a bad deacon. Not very many pastors can say that. I've never had a bad deacon. Now, I've had some that were better than others. I have. I've had some that were more supportive, more loving. But I've never ever, in over 40-plus years, I've never had a bad bad deacon. I've, I've never had a serious problem with a deacon in over 40 years of ministry, not even one time. True biblical deacons are errands and hers. They are errands and hers that hold up the hands of their Moses. They are servants who represent their pastor and serve his vision in the church. They represent him. See, that's the misconception about deacons. Most people think that the deacons uh, represent the church people to the pastor. No, no, no. The deacons represent the pastor to the church. The pastors needed help, and so they appointed some deacons to help them. You go, I can't be there, so you go in my name. You go represent me. They represent him. They recognize him as their leader, and they joyfully join hands with him in ministry. All right, let's move to the third thing I see in our scripture for today, and that is the process. And Let's read about the process of Selecting deacons uh, is found in verses 3 through 6. It says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose all these guys. I'm going down to six. Verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands 
on them. One pastor said, I'd like to lay hands on a few deacons. Amen. I'm just kidding. Come on. I want to point out two things here this morning. First of all, I want to point out the requirements. The requirements. Listen, to serve as a deacon in the local church should be viewed as an honor. An honor. Therefore, only honorable men should be placed in this position. A few years ago, I was playing golf with one of my members, and there's just the two of us, so they put us with a couple of other guys. And these other guys, they were, they, were, they were drinking their beer and telling their dirty jokes and cussing and smoking cigars and just, you know, just doing what they were doing. And, and that's all right. You know, hey, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm no better than anybody. I don't tell anybody, you know, hey, the holy guy's here. You shouldn't do that. I don't, you know, I don't do that. I don't tell them anything about who I am or what I do or nothing. But inevitably, because men don't, you know, we don't talk much. And so about the 12th hole, you know, you finally figure out, well, you better talk to these new people. And so the only thing we know what to do is we ask them, well, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, I, I've had, that's what we always do. So I don't know what hole it was, but uh, uh, one of them said, uh, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. Usually when I tell somebody I'm a pastor, they either clean up their act or they double on it, you know, make it, you know, double, double, double cussing, double jokes, double vulgarity. But I, I said, I'm a pastor. He said, you're a pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I'm a deacon. I said, you're a deacon? He said, yeah, I'm a deacon down here. And I'm not going to say the name of the church, but I'm, I'm a deacon down here. And I said, oh, hmm. you're a cigar smoking, beer drinking, dirty joke telling, cussing deacon. He said, that's me. But according to Acts chapter number 6, the Bible says deacons should have a good reputation. The Bible says that they should be full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that they should be men of wisdom. Let's look at another scripture that tells us a little bit about the, the requirements of a deacon. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. says that the deacons must be reverent. Not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Be what? Tested. We've got to prove ourselves, right? And then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Found what? Likewise, their wives. I could stop here a while. Their wives. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep it as light as I can, all right? So you don't throw rocks at me when I'm done, all right? Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. We're talking about the process right now. When selecting deacons, the church should be very, very careful. And the church should be very, very selective. I mean, they should be selecting the cream of the crop. 
Only qualified men should be selected. Not just the men who are the most popular in the church or the men that you think will push your own personal agenda. Good preaching. Needs to be preached in every church. Most pastors don't have the guts. Not only do I want to talk about the requirements, but I also want to talk about the responsibilities. And they have responsibilities. Verse 3 says, whom we may appoint over this business. See, the position of deacon is for far more than just some type of prestige in the church. It's more than a position. The position of deacon comes with responsibility and it involves work. True biblical deacon will share his pastor's heart. He will support his pastor's vision. He will help carry the load of the church, not make the pastor's load heavier. A true biblical deacon will serve his pastor and his church, find his particular niche in the church, and will use his particular gifts, talents, and abilities to be an asset to the church in a particular area of the church where he is gifted in. Now let me let you in on a little secret. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor's going to tell us a secret. Let me let you in on a little secret. You don't have to have the title of deacon to be a deacon. Don't have to be elected, don't have to be appointed, don't have to hold the position. Anyone who has a servant's heart, who serves their pastor's vision by serving the church, that person is a biblical deacon. See, see, many who hold the position of deacon are not really true deacons because they don't deek. And then there are many who have never been elected a deacon who actually, who actually are true deacons because they meet the biblical requirements of a deacon. Amen. Let me say this one more time. I love deacons. Let me tell you that my life has been blessed because of deacons. Let me tell you again that some of my best friends are deacons. And I want to tell you that I honor my deacons from today and the deacons that I've had in the past. In fact, I'd like for all of my deacons that are here, I know some are in the first, some will be in the second. There's at least Mark Weimer's on vacation. If you're one of our elected deacons this morning, I want you to stand this morning. I want to honor you. Stand with me. Come on. You're a deacon this morning. I know i got at least three of them here. I love my deacons. Thank you, guys. I love my deacons. They support me. They support my heart. They support my vision. Amen? We've never had a... Listen, and I've been here for over 13 years now, and I've had several different ones. Uh, Former deacons. That was a former deacon that just stood up right there, but not only is he a former deacon, he is a deacon because he has a servant's heart, and he serves me, and he serves the church. Hadn't always been that way in this church. We're blessed, and we need to remember that. And thank you, man. We, I love you. Thank you for your love and your support. All right, I've got five minutes, 42 seconds before we'll have to bring this into a landing. 
Let me quickly look at the fourth and final thing I see in our scripture for today, and that is the prosperity. And you'll find that in verse number seven. Two things that happen in this verse. First of all, the word spreads. The word spread. Verse 7, then, say then. Then the word of God spread. See, see, when pastors have the help they need in taking care of the physical needs of the church members, when they have the time they need to fulfill their main calling, which is prayer and study and preparation to teach and to preach and, and to hear the voice of God and to get vision for the, for the church, when pastors have the time to concentrate on their main job and what they are actually called to do, the church benefits. The church members are blessed. Not only did the word spread, but the willing received. Verse number 11 says, The word spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Think about this. Think about this. I just, it just came to me this week when I was studying. Before deacons were appointed to the church, the church was adding members. After the institution of deacons to the church, the church started multiplying. Isn't that good? So, so can you see how important the people are to the church and not just how important the pastor is? See, see, if the pastor has to do the majority of caring for the physical needs of the church, the best that that church will ever do is add members. And that, my friend, is the reason why the average church in America runs 75. It's because they have one pastor and they put everything on the load of the pastor's shoulders. I know I pastored that church. And so the pastor is so burdened and so loaded down with, you know, carrying, you know, the majority of the load of that, of that church that, you know what, man, I mean, it's because God loves him that he only adds to that church. Because <laughs> every time he adds a member, he adds a burden to the church, to the pastor. And there's only so much load that one man can carry. Let me just tell you, I don't only love my my deacons, I love my staff, man. They're awesome. They're incredible. Man, I tell you, I I tell them, your your job is to make me look good. And boy, they do. Don't I look good this morning? I tell them, y'all do all the work and I'll take all the credit. That works really good. So I'm not giving them any credit this morning. I'm taking all the credit. No, I love my deacons. I love my staff. They're awesome. They're incredible. Everybody's got a different role. One's not better than the other. It's just different. It's different. I wish I had the influence you have. I wish I had the, you know, I wish I had the cloud. I wish I had the say-so that you've got. Okay, carry the church 24-7. You can have it. (laughs) Trying to be nice. Oh, I wish I had an hour to preach on the importance of the care ministry. Ah. Mm. I can't care for 750 people. But I care so much that I, I get some people in place to help me. You know what genuine care ministers are? You're deacons. 
Your deacons? Yeah, we have five elected deacons, but man, we got, we got a lot more deacons than that because deacons serve the, the vision of the pastor, the vision, and the vision of the church. Wish I, had, wish I had an hour to talk about the care ministry and how important the care ministry is. I also wish I had time to preach about how important our outreach ministry is as we try to send a message to our own local community that we care for them. Don't forget it, and Pastor Sean mentioned it, but don't forget about our event called Grace Day coming up August the 14th. Write that down from 6 to 9 on Sunday evening. We're going to give out free backpacks and free school supplies, and we're going to provide a host of free health screenings and health checks and, and different things, and we're going to have some giveaways, and we're going to have some fun things for the kids to do, and we're going to feed some hot dogs and some, and some snow cones and I don't know what all else, and all the things that we're going to do. But look in your bulletin for, for more information. See daily. Burwise to help and volunteer and see what you can do to help in this incredible, incredible outreach. We could have the worship team back in place this morning. The takeaway for the message today is simply this threefold. Number one, the church must function as a team. The church must function as a team. But on a team, not everybody can be the pitcher. Not everybody can bat cleanup. I was talking to my son yesterday, and I said, you know, when I was in Little League, I was a cleanup hitter. I was a good Little League baseball player. I really was. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you, no, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. <laughs> Most valuable player, man, went the whole season without striking out once. Most home runs. I was, I was, the, I was the man. I was a cleanup hitter. I remember one time that our, our manager went on vacation, so the assistant coach, the assistant coach became, the, you know, the manager for that game while the coach, while the main manager was gone. And he told, he called us all together. He said, boys, he said, I'm going to mix things up today. He said, this is the way we've been doing it, but I'm going to mix things up today. And he put me at number seven, <laughs> that number seven. And he had a... He had a strategy. He said, you know, he said, you know, I want, you know, the best batters, you know, to, to be like the third or fourth one down so that, you know, every inning we got good batters. We have some that are not as good as others, but every inning there'll be at least one good batter coming up. Instead of like having the first, you know, the first four the best, and then the rest of the time, you know, you're just striking out and, bunt, you know, and not doing well. And so that was just, but you know what, man? I mean, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm the cleanup hitter, man. <laughs> You know what? We're a team, but we can't always be the cleanup hitter. Can't always be the pitcher. Can't always be the coach. Amen? Everybody's got a place to play. Everybody's got a position to play. It's not the same position. One's not better than the other. Not, one's not more important than the other. It's just a different role. And when we understand our role and what we're supposed to do, you know? Now, I, could, I mean, I could, I could hit. I could, I, could, I could field, but I couldn't run. And so, and so when my buddy, who could run, when he got on base, they expected him to steal. And they told me, don't. <laughs> my football coach said, Benson, you've got great hands, but you run like a horse. I said, a thoroughbred? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Church must function as a team. There's different roles to play and fill on the team. And every role is important. Yes. Yes. Amen. 
every role. Whether you're standing out there directing traffic when people come in. Did you know we get feedback from people, visitors that come to our church? Did you know that they say, we say, what did you like best? They don't always say the preacher. Now, most of them do, but not all of them say the preacher. Some of them say, man, we liked it because we drove up in the parking lot, and there's people greeting us out there in the parking lot. Well, you know what? Before they ever see me on the platform, they see you in the parking lot. So really, you're more important than I am because if they don't like what they see out in the parking lot, they might just drive through the parking lot and go on to another church. Well, I've gone, quit preaching, went to teaching, now I'm gone to meddling. Father, thank you for the word this morning. I just pray that you'll take the word of God this morning. Father, let it do what it needs to do in the heart and the life of your people, Father, in the name of Jesus.